Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. This episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast is brought to you by our friends at the United States Concealed Carry Association. Guys, the United States Concealed Carry Association, USCCA, was founded to help responsibly armed Americans like you. They're committed to providing life-saving self-defense resources to help you and your family be safe. When you activate your membership, you'll automatically get life-saving self-defense education, industry-leading training, plus self-defense liability insurance. Don't wait until it's too late. Click learn more below right now. And just as a reminder, the United States Concealed Carry Association is not an insurance company. A policy has been issued to the USCCA by the Universal Fire and Casualty Insurance Company. That policy provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance subject to its terms, conditions, limitations, and exclusions. We'll be right back. Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. And as promised, we are joined by Lori Roman. Lori Roman is the president and CEO of the American Constitutional Rights Union. Her diverse career exemplifies her expertise in management, public policy, strategic planning, and public relations. She is the former president of the SALT Institute, an industry trade association. She is also the former executive director of the American Legislative Exchange Council, a public policy organization of state legislators, members of the U.S. Congress, and British and European parliaments. Formerly, she served as the Deputy Director, Chief of Staff of the White House Center for Faith-Based and Community Initiatives at the United States Department of Education, where she was responsible for the strategic planning and management of resources to achieve the goals outlined in the President's Management Agenda. She also served as the Director of School Choice and Senior Advisor on Family Educational Rights at the United States Department of Education. She holds a bachelor's degree of business administration and a master's degree in administration. And full disclosure, I'm the executive director of the American Constitutional Rights Union, so Lori Roman is my boss. Lori, thanks for joining us here at the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You always say that, but, but we know we're partners in liberty. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, you know, Eve did tell Adam to eat the apple. So that established that relationship for time and memorial. OK, so let's start. Let's start off first and foremost. Explain to people the American Constitutional Rights Union, its history, how it came to be and kind of uh, a mission uh, and task and purpose and focus. American Constitutional Rights Union started over 20 years ago 
And at first it was the American Civil Rights Union. And that was because it was started by two close advisors to Ronald Reagan to be the anti-ACLU, those ACLU troublemakers who were trying to strip away American values and prayer in schools and and liberty everywhere they uh, everywhere they turned. So we were invented to be the anti-ACLU, and much like the uh, ACLU, we sometimes use scary legal letters and litigation to make people behave in a constitutional way and adhere to the rule of law. Those two amazing advisors to Ronald Reagan were Attorney General Ed Meese. Most of the people who are watching you uh, probably know who Attorney General Ed Meese is, and mm-hmm. He served with Ronald Reagan and also uh, came with him from California uh, all those years ago. And the other close advisor to Ronald Reagan, who started ACRU, was Bob uh, Carlson, who was considered the father of modern welfare reform, also came from California to be with uh, President Reagan. And uh, these two gentlemen uh, started out as with Mr. Meese as the founding board member, Bob Carlson as the first president, and um, and Mr. Meese still serves on our board, as you know, mm-hmm. and he's he's in his 80s and is just as active as ever. He hasn't uh, he hasn't slowed down a bit, and we're really thankful to have him there. Um, Bob Carlson passed away some years ago, and then his his wife took over for a while, and then in 2019, I became the president, and uh, when I came in. Uh, I changed the name to American Constitutional Rights Union from American Civil Rights Union because it was getting a little confusing. A lot of people uh, thought we were the ACLU, and I was spending too much. T- what's the, what's the old saying? If you're explaining, you're losing. I think so. I was correct. spending too much time explaining, and uh, it really does represent what we do. You know, I think it does. And when you talk about constitutional rights, there's so many. And you and I have had this uh, conversation many times. There's so many aspects of the constitutional rights of the individual American citizen being undermined. Uh, My monologue today was just talking about how the fact that we have seen Newsmax get kicked off of the uh, DirecTV platform. And prior to that, it was One America News Network. So that's a violation of freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of the press. What do you see are the critical linchpins, the, the issues out there in defending our constitutional rights? And of course, the motto of the ACRU being live free. Well, what we usually are focused on and is the First Amendment, religious liberty and free speech, the Second Amendment, uh, the right to bear arms, uh, something near and dear to both of our hearts, mm-hmm. and and election integrity. Those are um, those are areas that keep us very busy at ACRU. And, um, and during the COVID lockdowns and all of that, proud to say that we were the first national conservative organization to come out against lockdowns uh, pretty much day one. Uh, we were one of the first nationwide organizations to come out against vaccine mandates, vaccine passports. And so generally speaking, as you know, uh, if it advances the cause of liberty, uh, we, we feel like we've got a dog in that fight, in which case a lot of times we're writing amicus briefs and submitting them to the Supreme Court. We're sometimes litigating. Um, and then uh, what I often call, as you know, are scary letters. So much like the ACLU, we write sometimes scary legal letters to remind people to behave themselves and uh, obey the Constitution, uh, uphold the Constitution, and protect individual liberty. 
You know, one of the things when you talk about election integrity and writing those scary letters, you came up with an incredible initiative that I think was brilliant. And you, that has really become, you know, a cornerstone of the ACRU. And that's the Vulnerable Voter Program. And we have the Center for Vulnerable Voters. Can you explain to people what that really means and how we need to have more people aware of this if we want to protect the integrity of our electoral process? Well, in 2019, when I became the president of ACRU toward the end of the year, um, we were going into an election year. And I really looked at the landscape of, um, I have a business background, so I've been trained to look for a niche and fill it. Look for something that no one else is working on where you can provide a good or service that is beneficial. And so when I looked around the landscape, of election integrity work and ACRU has been doing election integrity work since 2013. We were the first organization to ever sue a county to clean up their voter rolls in the United States. So we've been at it a long time, but I wanted to make sure that we weren't duplicating the efforts of some of the bigger organizations like Heritage and others who do great work, but um, find a niche and fill it. And so we had heard, so many people had heard for years that there were shenanigans going on in nursing homes new nursing homes, group homes, where people were having their votes stolen or their ballots stolen or their votes suppressed. And um, conservatives had heard about this year, for years, but not one organization had ever really done anything about it at a nationwide level. So I uh, started this project in 2019. Originally, it was protect elderly votes. And then quickly in the beginning of 2020, we also brought in protect military votes and um, same thing, there, we've always heard that um, military ballots are often disregarded, thrown mm -hmm. in a provisional batch. Uh, I think those of us have heard for years that oftentimes election supervisors, either through incompetence or maybe um, on purpose, a slow walk getting absentee ballots out the door to military voters. And so, um, and the federal government has statistics on this. Um, so many folks in the military don't vote because they don't get their ballots in time to turn it back in. So we launched uh, Protect Elderly Votes and Protect Vulner uh, Protect Military Votes and two websites, very active in 2020. And then we rolled them together and said, there are a lot of vulnerable voters out there. There's elderly, there's people in group homes, there's disabled, there's homeless, um, and there's military and so many. So we eventually uh, branded it Protect Vulnerable Voters and now we have a center for vulnerable voters. It's the only thing like it in the country. Um, and I just kind of combined my love of old people uh, with my my love of liberty and and smushed them together in a project. I guess that's what you could say. For years, I used to volunteer at nursing homes, and um, I led Bible studies, and and I always joke that I, I also sang hymns, which is great because most of them couldn't hear, so they didn't <laughs> have to be tortured by my singing. Yeah. But um, but it is near and dear to my heart. I really am disgusted by the fact that someone could steal the vote or coerce a vote of an elderly person, a vulnerable person. I think about people like my dad who served in World War II, and um, that somebody would deprive them of their vote. Uh, makes me angry. You know, that really is the voter suppression. When you have folks that are going in and do ballot harvesting and several other uh, types and forms and means, they are suppressing the vote of our seniors, our elderly citizens. And now some people may be watching this podcast and say, 
okay, I hear you, but really has there been any proof of that? Well, that proof came out uh, in the case in Wisconsin. Also, we saw it in Michigan, your home state. And right here in Texas, where I live, we had someone convicted of 134 accounts, felony accounts of voter fraud tied back to senior living facilities. Talk to us about some of the comments that you have seen, especially the recent article that you wrote in the uh, AMAC, the Association for Mature American Citizens magazine, about the stories that you're hearing. When we started this project, it was actually before the Wisconsin um, information had come to light about um, was a, just a great sheriff in Wisconsin, in Racine County, who did the right thing. He took complaints that came to him and uh, from families of nursing home residents, and he actually investigated to see what had happened to their votes. And so when we started, we didn't have that uh, to point at, and we didn't have the Texas um, convictions to point at. And in fact, we didn't even have the Father Murray nursing home in Macomb County, Michigan, which that was a conviction after the 2020 cycle where a staff member actually went to jail. She went to jail in 2022 for a 2020 shenanigans, uh, forging absentee ballot um, applications. That was the same crime found in Texas, 134 counts of forging absentee ballot applications. So the, the law isn't always broken just by filling out a ballot for someone. Someone can go to jail for requesting a ballot for someone mm-hmm. in some states or just in almost every state, that's just not allowed. And so, um, but what we did was we started January, 2020, we sent over $12,000, $12,000, 12,000 letters to nursing homes, directors, um, warning them, we call this the scary letters, warning them of the laws and that they had to protect these vulnerable voters. And then in addition, we had our vote fraud hotline up so that people could report problems with vulnerable voters. And our hotline reports are heartbreaking. Um, We had a situation in 2020 in Lubbock, Texas, where a guardian and a daughter said, my mom is a nonverbal dementia patient, but I've looked on the state website and I see that she voted in 2020. And my mom doesn't know what day it is. Uh, So obviously she, she couldn't have filled out an absentee ballot request. She couldn't have filled out a ballot. And that was one where we took a sworn affidavit and we, uh, our, our legal team, you know, did a sworn affidavit and turned it into the AG's office for an investigation. Um, it was difficult to investigate back then because of COVID, all the lockdowns. It was also difficult back then to get guardians and family members to take a complaint all the way because they were afraid they couldn't get in to check on their loved one. They didn't know if there would be retaliation against their loved one. And so a lot of people called our hotline, but then it toward the end, they would be afraid to take it all the way with a complaint to the authorities. We had one heartbreaking call of a, um, of, of a child who said, my dad told me that they told him they would withhold his medicine if he didn't vote for Joe Biden. Mm. Um, these people are are truly vulnerable. These are the people who give them their food and their medicine. And if someone tells them how to vote a certain way, that coercion sometimes works. I think sometimes we get a lot of uh, complaints about the nursing home workers just being way too interested in how mom or dad or grandma or grandpa voted. And that's because I think they decide whether they're going to make sure that ballot gets all the way where it's supposed to go based on what the resident told them. 
And so there are just many different shenanigans that can happen to suppress the vote or coerce the vote. Um, and then, of course, one of the biggest hotline complaints we got was an activist group in Florida that was collecting ballot harvesting or ballot trafficking, as you might call it, mm -hmm. uh, harvesting nursing home ballots all across the state, telling nursing home directors, just give your ballots to us. We'll make sure they get to the election office. And of course, that's completely insecure. It's an unnecessary risk. And um, you have to suspect anyone who does that. No, absolutely right. And I'm glad that we continue to keep the pressure on people because lots of times what we do is we peak and we ramp up for an election cycle and then we go down into the valley. I think one of the great things about ACRU and yourself and your leadership is that we are maintaining that steady state of engagement. When you look at the efforts, you know, going out to Arizona where we saw some really uh, interesting things happen in Maricopa County. Let's talk about the new initiative of the ACRU, a subsidiary organization or a program called the Committee to Support and Defend. Because when you look at our veteran service organizations out there, VFW, American Legion, MOAA, MOWW, you name it, AMVETS, they really don't focus on constitutional conservatism. They just focus on, we need to make sure we get a, you know, a COLA raise here or that taken care of there, but they really don't hold people accountable with what we see happening. And, you know, I just shared with people that we had 62 or 67 pride DEI events in the Air Force that happened in 2022, but yet we are grounding aerial refueling planes, uh, the KC-135s. So let's talk about the committee to support and defend, you know, being this preeminent constitutional conservative veterans organization. And how did that come about? Well, first, everyone should know that long before you were um, officially part of ACRU as executive director, you volunteered your time for this project yeah. to help us uh, get this uh, get this going. And in fact, uh, you were at the very beginning on the idea of this and the name of this and, and all of that. So uh, General Joe Arbuckle has a, a group called Flag Officers for America, and those admirals and generals were writing some uh, pretty firm letters, public letters, um, in defense of the Constitution. That first letter uh, was called Our Nation is in Peril letter. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a very, very impactful letter signed by admirals and generals. And um, and so when the overwhelming uh, response to that letter was that over 5,000 uh, members of the, or veterans who were not generals or admirals said, we want to sign that letter too. We want to take a stand for our country. And then uh, Joe Arbuckle called you and called me and said, you all, these people want to defend the Constitution. And uh, I think the best place for that to happen is under your leadership, uh, Colonel West. So mm -hmm. that's how Committee to Support and Defend was born, because we had 5,000 veterans who said, we want to take a stand. Our oath didn't have an expiration date. And so we we did our own letter. And so the at first it was all about amplifying their voices and letting the world know that they're, they weren't alone, that this stand for the Constitution and stand for liberty and the stand against Marxism and stand against wokeism in the military and in the country, that those folks weren't alone. They weren't just sitting in their living room all by themselves being the only people who felt that way. 
And and then something amazing happened, I think, is uh, as you led them, they said, now what do you want us to do? So yeah. amplifying the voices, these are veterans that, you know, a lot of veterans groups have said, we'll do this for the veterans or we'll do that for the veterans and we advocate for veterans and that's all wonderful. I mean, I know my brother who served during Vietnam was a member, I think of every, just about every veterans mm -hmm. organization. And they do some great work doing things for the veterans. But we have something different. We have a bunch of veterans and now 30,000 who they want to continue to do for their country. They're saying, no, 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 I don't want anything. Mm -hmm. I want to continue to serve. And I just think that's really special. So now it's about mobilizing those veterans. And last year, uh, we did training all over the country for poll work. They were poll workers, poll watchers, encouraging them to be uh, to campaign and run for office, get involved in their school board meetings or county commissioner's offices or races. And um, the sky's the limit as we grow what is now America's Constitutional Conservative Veterans Organization. And um, it's been, it has just been an amazing thing to watch. They like, these guys are, we don't, we don't want anything. Just yeah. tell us where to sign up for duty. <laughs> We're ready. Yeah. They still want to serve. And that's the whole point of, like you said, your oath to support and defend the Constitution has no statute of limitations. And when you look at the challenges that we're facing right now, a military that's not meeting its recruitment and retention goals, we've got to have the voices that once wore that uniform to continue to support and defend that, that oath. So in, in closing, tell us about what's your vision going ahead? I mean, a very important election coming up in 2024. What are some of the hot button things, uh, one or two things that you're focused on right now? Well, we're continuing, as you said, uh, if it's an off election year, that doesn't mean we're not, uh, we're not ramping up for next year. So we are churning out more training materials for nursing homes to protect the rights of seniors and group homes and other residential facilities. So that's on our list of things to do this year. Uh, bringing more uh, veterans into the committee to support and defend. We are growing our army so that they can serve. And um, so that's important for this year. And then also there's a couple of things happening in legislatures that uh, people should know about. Ranked choice voting. We're warning people against the dangers of ranked choice voting, and uh, we had some information out on our website and on our last newsletter on that. So we're focused on uh, warning folks about the dangers of ranked choice voting and um, warning about the national popular vote. Also, there's some bills running around the country on national popular vote, which takes away the Electoral College and lets the big cities speak for the whole country, which we don't want. And then... Um, as always, anything related to election integrity, we are on top of. But you and I have a favorite subject, and that's the Second Amendment. Yep. So we're always uh, we're always looking for opportunities. Often that's an amicus brief. Um, some of those have gone all the way to the Supreme Court, and uh, the border. Uh, the border has just been, you know, national sovereignty has always been an issue for ACRU, and never is it more important than now. Uh, our border. Um, is a danger to everyone. And so you've been working on the border, and I, I see a lot more work on the border in our future. 
Well, Lori Roman, the president and CEO of the American Constitutional Rights Union, thank you so very much for allowing me to formally be a part of this incredible organization and be on your team. Uh, how can people reach out and find the ACRU and also the Committee to Support and Defend? TheACRU.org. And folks can be a member for $17.76 a year. So join American Constitutional Rights Union, theacru.org. And then Committee to Support and Defend is easy to remember. It's just supportanddefend.org, supportanddefend.org. And anyone can join that, patriots, veterans, but that's just $17.75. So ACRU, $17.76, and supportanddefend.org. $17.75 uh, to join for the year. So, hey, join our army. We're, we're happy to serve with you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lori, and look forward to seeing you again pretty soon. And uh, it was great being with you at the Council for National Policy event down in Doral, Florida. Thanks, Alan. All right. Have a great day. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for tuning in to this episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. We want to thank Lori Roman, the president and CEO of the American Constitutional Rights Union, for her thoughts, perspectives, and insights. You can follow them. As she said, it's theacru.org and also supportanddefend.org as well. And then once again, as always, if you like this podcast, please hit that like button and share it with others. Until next time, God bless and steadfast and loyal. Before they burn it down